Welcome to the Charleston Time Machine. I'm Nick Butler, historian at the Charleston County Public Library. It's that time of year when people across the United States celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July, the anniversary of our nation's declaration of independence from Great Britain. All across America, the 4th of July means fireworks, band music, barbecues, and everything red, white, and blue. But once upon a time, here in the low country of South Carolina, it was all about the Tulalu. Never heard of it? The Tulalu was a popular dance that in the late 1870s became a sort of synecdoche for African-American celebrations of Independence Day in the Charleston area. Not one word of that sentence makes any sense without the proper historical context. So let's rewind the time machine and take a snapshot view of the rise and fall of the Tulalu. Charlestonians first celebrated the Declaration of Independence in August of 1776, just a few weeks after the text of the document was ratified by Continental Congress. A printed copy of that declaration arrived in Charleston on Friday, August 2nd, and the document was read aloud at a public ceremony under the Liberty Tree in Mazique's Pasture on Monday, August 5th, 1776. Charleston's first celebration of the 4th of July took place in 1777, when the townsfolk commemorated the first anniversary of our nation's birth with the ringing of church bells, the firing of 76 cannon, a military parade, and lots of feasting and toasting. From that first grand celebration in 1777 onward, our community has observed the anniversary of our Independence Day with public festivities every year, with four notable exceptions in 1861, 1862, 1863, and 1864. The long-brewing political tensions between Unionists and advocates of states' rights reached a fever pitch in 1860, but Lowcountry residents still celebrated the 4th of July that year. Following South Carolina's secession from the United States in December 1860, and then the commencement of a civil war in April of 1861, however, South Carolina's political leaders deemed the 4th of July to be the enemy's customary holiday, and it was not observed here. That same spirit prevailed for three more years, until the United States military occupied South Carolina and brought the war to an end in the spring of 1865. Annual public celebrations of the 4th of July resumed in Charleston and throughout South Carolina in the summer of 1865. But the spirit of these commemorations was quite different in the immediate post-war era. For more than a decade after the conclusion of our Civil War, the celebration of Independence Day was almost exclusively an African-American holiday in the low country of South Carolina. The formerly enslaved population embraced the 4th of July as a time to celebrate their delivery from the yoke of slavery and to celebrate their new civil rights, while at the same time the majority of the white population, including Confederate veterans, stayed home and lamented the failure of secession. In the late 1860s and throughout the 1870s, when celebrating the 4th of July was almost exclusively a black phenomenon, 
the city's annual celebrations commenced with a parade down Meeting Street, featuring brightly dressed citizens, politicians, brass bands, and uniformed members of the South Carolina National Guard, which, in the post-war era, was composed almost exclusively of formerly enslaved black men. These parades always ended at White Point Garden, where thousands of people would gather for a great picnic and a shady rest. The focal point of these events was a public reading of the Declaration of Independence, followed by political speeches delivered by the black Republican leaders of the day. After all the official business was over, the citizens would eat, drink, nap, frolic, and dance. The white newspaper reporters who described these events in the late 1860s and 1870s were generally pretty vague and rather condescending about the music and dancing that accompanied the predominantly black celebrations of the 4th of July. We know, for example, that Shoe Fly, Don't Bother Me was the big hit of 1870, but most of the tunes and the dance steps of that era are long forgotten. In a newspaper story about the 1876 celebration, however, a reporter from the Charleston News and Courier actually took the time to describe, in some detail, the appearance of a new dance performed by the black folks gathered at White Point Garden on the 4th of July. This was the Tulaloo, which the reporter described as the favorite melody of the day. Despite calling it a favorite melody, this 1876 newspaper description does not include the actual melody of the Tulalu, and I haven't been able to locate any tunes called Tulalu anywhere on the internet. Nevertheless, we can sort of reconstruct the rhythmic outline of the song by looking at clues from the 1876 newspaper description. First, the newspaper says the song and the dance were performed in jig time. Now, if you're talking about 17th or 18th century European music, jig time means compound duple meter. That is, two groups of three notes, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, indicated by 6-8 time signature. In mid-19th century American pop music, however, the phrase jig time indicates a lightly syncopated duple meter, like you would hear in Oh Susanna, or Camptown Races. This sort of jig-time rhythm was popularized in blackface minstrel shows, in which white men put on black makeup and imitated, with a hearty dose of artistic license, the sounds and the mannerisms of African Americans in the South. This 19th century American jig time was also used to accompany a new form of popular dancing known simply as the jig, or jigging. That's right, folks were getting jiggy in the low country more than 150 years ago. At that time, however, the term jig was applied to any sort of duple meter dance that included stomping or percussive footwork, an early form of what we might now call tap dancing. A quick look at the lyrics of the Tulalu, as printed in the local newspaper in 1876, shows that the scansion of the words fits very neatly into the simple duple meter of 19th century jig time. So why am I telling you all this? Because I'm going to read aloud that 1876 newspaper story with the words to the Tulalu, 
And I want you to understand the rhythmic clues that are embedded in the text. From the Charleston News and Courier, July 5th, 1876. The fourth in the city. As is usual on such occasions, the rustic damsels from the Sea Island cotton fields and their dusky swains indulged all day in their favorite pastime, called, in the expressive vocabulary of the plantation, getting around. The music and style on this occasion, however, was varied, and a new song and dance called Tu La Lu being the favorite melody. The process of this entertainment, which is performed in the open air under the rays of the sun, is about as follows. A ring is formed by about a dozen damsels and as many men. One of the ladies steps into the ring, and while she walks around, the others sing and clap their hands to jig time. The refrain of the Tulalu is as follows. Go hunt your lover. Tulalu, go find your lover, Tulalu. Nice little lover, Tulalu. Oh, I love Tulalu. The lady then selects a gentleman, and the two get into the ring, where they perform a jig. While the gentleman dances, the crowd sing the following verse Lady motion, Tulalu. Nice little motion, Tulalu. Pigeon motion, Tulalu. Oh, I love Then the lady and gentleman have a pas de deux, during which the refrain is changed by an injunction. Salute your lady, Tulalu. Kiss that lady, Tulalu. Very nice lady, Tulalu. Oh, I love Tulalu. At this stage of the performance, the gentleman gives the lady a turn, embraces her, smacks her lips, and permits her to retire. Then he goes through the same performance, selecting another lover for the occasion. At a very moderate calculation, there were 50 rings performing this dance in different portions of White Point Garden, and it was entered into with a zest which kept up the sport from 8 o'clock in the morning until after midnight. By sundown, ten hours of the performance had worked up the participants into a moist state of patriotism, which was equal to the centennial emergency, and it was kept up by moonlight until long after midnight. As you can see in this 1876 description, the Tulalu was what ethnomusicologists would call a ring dance that is, a relatively simple dance performed by a large number of people arranged in a circle, all of whom execute pretty much the same steps at the same time. The ring dance is an ancient cultural form found in many communities around the world, from Africa to Scandinavia to South America. If you've ever done the hokey pokey, you have participated in this timeless tradition. The 1876 description of the Tulalu also mentions rhythmic clapping and the periodic pairing of two solo dancers in the center of the circle. Again, these are common characteristics of ring dances in different cultures, especially those in sub-Saharan Africa. In short, the Tulalu represents a fusion of ancient African traditions with the popular culture of mid-19th century America. To put it another way, 
the Tulalu is a forgotten part of our community's Gullah Geechee heritage. The Tulalu was apparently a new phenomenon in the summer of 1876, and it was danced to celebrate the centennial anniversary of our nation's Independence Day. Later that year, however, the political landscape of South Carolina changed radically as the post-Civil War project known as Reconstruction came to a crashing end in our state. After 12 years of watching over South Carolina politics to ensure the maintenance of law and order, the federal government pulled out and allowed the conservative Democratic Party to resume control. The Republican Party, then dominated by formerly enslaved African Americans, was suddenly out of power and out of favor. From 1877 onward, celebrations of the 4th of July in the Charleston area became increasingly subdued. The black community continued to celebrate the 4th, and the black National Guard troops continued to parade, but there was far less newspaper coverage, far less enthusiasm, and far less political rhetoric. On the 4th of July, 1877, one year after the debut of the Tulalu, the Charleston newspaper press wondered aloud if the crowds of black folks would even turn out for the holiday. Whether there will be any civic ceremonies at the Battery could not be learned, said the News and Courier. The impression was that there would be no oratory or reading of the Declaration of Independence as heretofore. The legion of cake, sweet beer, and peanut vendors will be at the battery, and doubtless a large number of men, women, youths, and girls to take part in celebrating Tulalu. Here in 1877, just one year after its first appearance, the phrase Tulalu was already being used as a sort of shorthand for the black community's celebration of Independence Day. The day included much more than just a ring dance with kissing, of course. But to the white newspaper press, the black celebration was hereafter subsumed under the simple rubric of the Tulalu. As conservative white politicians regained control of city and state government here in the late 1870s, they began enacting laws designed to restrict the movement and freedoms of the African-American population. One such law, ratified by Charleston City Council in the spring of 1881, specifically targeted the black community's traditional celebrations of Independence Day and other holidays at White Point Garden. Without specific reference to any group or demographic, the text of this 1881 city ordinance made it illegal, quote, for any person's company, or companies, organization, or organizations to use that portion of the South Battery, known as White Point Garden, for public proceedings, celebrations, or festivities of any kind whatsoever, end quote. In late June of 1881, the local newspaper noted that there would be no Tulalu this year in White Point Garden, in accordance with the new law. Instead, the mayor made arrangements to allow the colored military and the street vendors the use of the Citadel Green on the 4th of July. Once the Tulalu had been exiled from White Point Garden, the city kept pushing it away. Citadel Green was renamed Marion Square in late 1882, 
And in the first half of 1883, the city completely re-landscaped the site, transforming it into the sort of public park that we see there today. In the wake of that project, the city denied permission for the black celebration of the 4th of July at Marion Square. Instead, the Tulalu moved again to Hampstead Mall at the intersection of Columbus and America Streets. Three years later, in the summer of 1886, city officials denied permission for the black community to celebrate Independence Day at Hampstead Mall. Instead, the Tulalu festivities moved to a new site west of the Ashley River called Pleasure Grove, where it flourished for a few more years. In the 1890s and the early years of the 20th century, as racial tensions continued to increase in South Carolina and throughout the Jim Crow South, the black community's enthusiasm for celebrating the 4th of July became less distinctive in the Charleston area. They continued to mark the occasion, to be sure, and even occupied White Point Garden on occasion. But the excitement and novelty of the Tulaloo were gone. As the new century dawned, white Charlestonians became increasingly active in celebrating Independence Day, no doubt inspired by the economic boom that accompanied the opening of the Charleston Navy Base in 1901. In the summer of 1906, one local newspaper observed that all of Charleston keeps the fourth now and offered this useful explanation. Quote, The celebration of the fourth, which was a colored festival a few years ago, has now grown into larger significance, and the day is more observed by the white than the colored people. No longer are the Tulalu celebrations given across the Ashley River Bridge. No longer are the streets swept by a large throng of people of various color in remarkable dress and costume, with many gateways a place of rest and feasting, where the colored folks satisfied their appetite on a diet of fish, donuts, and watermelon. And no longer does a military parade add to the boisterous behavior of the colored people. End quote. A century later, in present-day Charleston, the 4th of July is a universal holiday, celebrated by everyone in more or less the same fashion. That's a good thing in many ways. But as a historian, I also think it's a bit sad that we've lost some of the cultural quirks that make our community distinctive. The forgotten Tulalu, for example, was a song and dance phenomenon that became synonymous with the African-American community's joyous celebration of Independence Day. I'm not going to suggest that we need to resuscitate the Tulalu and add it to the schedule of next year's festivities, but I do think that sometimes it helps us appreciate what we have when we contemplate the past. We live in a vibrant, diverse community with a fascinating history and a bright future. As we celebrate the 242nd anniversary of our nation's Independence Day this year on the 4th of July, I encourage you all to be safe and be merry. Toolaloo! CCPL is your home for local history. If you'd like to learn more about our resources, discover upcoming programs, or just explore the Charleston Time Machine, check out the library's website at ccpl.org. 
Thanks for joining me aboard the Charleston Time Machine. This is Nick Butler, and I'll see you in the future.